Hey, podcasters. Rarely do you find me doing any kind of post-production work leading into the first or second hour. However, it is incumbent upon me as a professional host to point out when I fuck up. And within the second hour, I fuck up really bad a number of times. When we get to the Jack Arnold segment, specifically the 35 past the hour segment, he brings in one of his friends and a NASCAR pit crew member for Austin Dillon team, Paul Swan. His name is Paul. However, for some reason, I call him Phil like five or six times. And nobody tells me that I'm calling him the wrong name until I'm texting back and forth with Jack and he just casually mentions that the guy's name is Paul and not Phil. So, Paul, please accept my humble apologies for calling you the wrong name during the interview. I'm not sure exactly where I got Phil, but it's not a mistake that I will make again. And I just wanted to make that name correction here up front before the second hour podcast starts. In any event, really fun with Jack and Paul and almost Austin Dillon. Maybe next time. So, enjoy the second hour. This is Huck Jr., the host of In the Hut. And you listen to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling all the time. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? <laughs> You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Lebertius, shit face. I'm shaking like a dog. Shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, welcome to the second hour, everybody. You have found the Barbecue Central show. It is a show. It is a show. It's not a podcast only. It is a show first. We're doing it live. We'll do it live. That's right, Bill. Do We're it doing live. it live. 9 to 11, Tuesday nights. We do it live. We'll do it live. Okay. Then I'm also recording... Not then. And I'm also recording. So Wednesday, tomorrow, you'll get the first hour. Thursday, you will get the second hour. Friday is the only podcast podcast that I'm actually doing that's a real pod podcast, and I don't even do it. John Solberg produces your The Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less every Friday. We'll get to that here in a second. Still to come on the show this evening... Social media maven and outdoor live fire barbecue and grilling backyard expert Jack Arnold will be joining me. You probably already follow him on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media channels if you're any fan of this industry that we love so dearly. Don't forget you can follow me socially as well while 61,000 of you are following Jack. I mean, y'all can chip me off something. 
at BBQ Central Show on Twitter and Instagram slash BBQ Central Show on the Facebook, which is where a lot of you are watching the live video feed as well. If you want to take part in a very interactive chat that's way better than Facebook, and I say way better only because I watch the YouTube chat as we're doing the show here live. Facebook does not have a very user-friendly chat role for me to monitor, so I don't monitor it. So if you're asking any questions or you're making some comments, I'm not going to see it till about an hour from now or so. I may or may not react then. However, if you jump over to the YouTube side, which is very easy to do, go to my website, thebbqcentralshow.com, and at the very top, there's a big button that says YouTube Live. Click on that. It will bring you over to the live feed on YouTube, and then you can take part in the show within the show, which is the chat role with such uh, people as... Uh, the Cuse Barbecue or Chicken Fried Barbecue or Raleigh Smoke or John Dawson. Do I see the indemnable Steve Brandano? Maybe I don't see him. The, is it the indemnable? The, um, the abominable? I forget what it is. John Solberg is in there. Fred Hickson is in there. Lance Owen is in there. It's a veritable cornucopia of who's who of the live fire industry. Well, just in front of me, I see Michael Simon. It's better than Lago. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, the inside jokes. Again, follow me socially at BBQ Central Show, Instagram, Twitter. Coming up, by the way, on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Tom Emery from Indio, California is going to be talking about putting on a barbecue contest. So if you have ever thought about doing a barbecue contest, being a promoter or putting an event on wherever it is that you call home, this will give you an idea of what you need to consider. Now, some things might have changed considering this is an interview from about nine years ago, but I would believe that all of the high-level info stuff is still good. One of the bigger differences is that nine years ago, we were still more or less on the uptick of competition barbecue. Uh, that's debatable at this point. We might be on the downtick, if that's a saying. But if you're still looking for good information, you might want to check out the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less coming up this Friday. Again, that is Brought to you each and every week by the executive producer, John Solberg, who also happens to be the Michigan embedded correspondent for the Barbecue Central show. And you can see him live here on the fourth Tuesday of every month with the rest of the embedded correspondents. Also, every Friday, aside from the best moments release into the podcast feed, I show up locally here in Cleveland on a radio station called WINT, locally 1330 AM and or 101.5 FM simulcast anywhere else outside of a 20-mile radius. To this point, you're better off doing WINTradio.com and getting the live stream this week. Could be especially fun. Last week, we did end up talking with Maddie and Kiki. Kiki, do you love me? Are you ready? We talked with our Canadian sister, sisters, it's brethren, right, to say when you're talking about ladies. Sisters are Canadian lady friends. 
And we learned a little bit about them. And I decided at that point, they're at least on the hedge of coming on the really big Barbecue Central show. Barbecue entertainers they are. So that was fun last week. I kind of teased that because we missed it the week prior, but that did execute. I don't know where that is in WINT Radio Archive land. Uh, that doesn't happen very quickly over there, archive-wise. Like, this show was right on top of it. This week, I'm actually going to be trying it out remotely. So I will not be in studio, but I still plan to do the segment. As I will be on a college visit with Bobby and the booming metropolis of Greensburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> So if you want to see or hear me bring my tech act on the road, this might be a good show to tune into. And yes, the engineer and I will be doing a test tomorrow morning to confirm that at least in high-level concept, the setup works and that I won't, like, uh, won't look like too much of a rube when I show up on Friday and inevitably it's going to sound like crap. But we will be doing our due diligence on this side of things to make sure that we are ready to have me sound like I'm in studio, but indeed we aren't in studio. I will be on the road. Of course, it was only a matter of time before this. According to Local12.com, London CBS company uses 3D printer to create a steak. That's right. A Spanish company wants to fill the world with conscientious smart carnivores one steak at a time. The company relies on 3D printers to make their meat stand out. And a quote, it's an awesome innovation. Uh, it's an awesome Innovative entree that goes from printer to pan, said Galusapi Schianti, founder of Nova Meat. Schianti came up with the idea two years ago. Since then, he's been printing and preparing vegan steaks like this for people around the world. It's about new meat. It means plant-based meats, substitutes. So we're creating the first 3D printer plant-based beef steak. The edible link, I said ink. Ingredients such as rice, peas, and seaweed come in a cartridge. The 3D printer takes the role as sous chef, working meticulously to prepare the meat in under 10 minutes. It's printed with the same texture and appearance of a normal beef steak. After a drizzle, I'm sorry, after a sizzle on the skillet and a dash of oregano. Uh Ready to eat. Mouthful. One taste tester eagerly weighed in. I think it tastes pretty good. Wow. Schianti says the technology offers an alternative to meat since livestock farming is one of the leading contributors to greenhouse gas emissions. He also says it tackles the issue of sustainability since many Americans eating double the recommended amount of red meat. Yeah, we are because we're fat. That being said, the fake steak has to win over consumers' taste buds one print at a time. 3D steaks are still not available to buy. The company hopes to expand its food option in the future by creating 3D tuna steaks and chicken breasts. I know I was not on the lamb train 
until a week ago, I can't sit here and tell you with good conscience that I'm going to be on the 3D printing steak train. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not that I'm against plant-based meat, okay? It's not that. I've had the Impossible Burger. I'm a fan of the Impossible Burger. I would imagine that if you are reading the ingredients, and especially the uh, protein or the FDA label part of it, like calories and such, it's not necessarily a healthier alternative. You're not saving calories. In fact, on some of these things, you're increasing calories. You're just not eating red meat. And how much does that 3D printer cost? Moreover, how much is that vial of steak ink that I'm getting ready to drop cost? 3D printing steak, if you need it, not available for sale right now. And that's not the weirdest story that I'm going to be telling you about in the next few weeks. But it ranks right up there. Thanks to John Dawson for contributing that show fodder. I think. Hey, Green Mountain Grills has the new Prime line coming out. Ready to go. Look through windows on both the pellet hopper and the cooking chamber hood. So if you're a fan of looking, but you're also a subscriber of if you're doing that, you're not cooking... You don't have to worry about it anymore now. You can just look right through the window of all the Prime lines, Daniel Boone and the Jim Bowie. It also has the 12-volt power, which gives you precise control of that auger and draft fan, increasing pellet consumption by leaps and bounds. Huge. Huge. Now, if you want something to take on tailgates, maybe you're going to the NASCAR race this coming weekend in uh, Fontana. Maybe. Davy Crockett is the one that you're going to want to take. It'll fit in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. It's pellet fired for that great flavor. You can plug it in to your 12-volt adapter in your car if you don't have access to the traditional power outlet. Man, oh man, it doesn't get any better than that. Plus, you're not sacrificing a tremendous amount of capacity for the portability. You can fit a couple pork butts in there. Probably do three, four steaks if you want to. GreenMountainGrills.com is the place to go to check out those products. They also have the classic line available as well, but Prime is where it's at right now. You're going to want to check it out. Same cooking capacity, but it's geeked up. It's ready to go. Cooking precisely. The Wi-Fi technology, dual probe internal meat temperatures. Come on now. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Jack Arnold coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue a man actually named meathead the author of a barbecue bible bloggers reviewers competitors and manufacturers by the dozens 
It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Are you ready to find out where you rank against all competitive barbecue teams across the country? Visit SmokinWithSmithfield.com to check out your rank on the Smoking with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship leaderboard. Again, the website, SmokinWithSmithfield.com. That's S-M-O-K-I-N, SmokinWithSmithfield.com. My next guest crushes on the gram. Also hosts cooking classes, cooks for sports stars, is freshly re-signed to Team Big Green Egg for the next two years. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. And welcome back, friend of the show, Jack Arnold. Jack, how are you, man? Hey, Greg, what's going on, buddy? And happy I am Tuesday to you, my happy friend. Tuesday to you. Appreciate the time as always. And we are rocking and rolling here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. Now, I've dovetailed that nicely into the first question since we are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city this evening here. What is yes, the sir. deal, my man? You are like the biggest fish lover I think I have ever seen. So what's the fascination with fish? <laughs> uh, okay, well, I knew this question was coming at some <laughs> point. So um, basically what the deal with fish is, um, well, actually, let's just say in general about music. Uh, music is about what speaks to you as an individual. And I can remember a lot of times uh, in the past where I've just been, you know, you get down in the dumps or anything happens, whatnot, and um it was fish that I turned to that really just picked me up and lifted me out of that. It made me feel a lot better. So the deal with them is that they're known for their live performances. They've been touring for uh, over 30 years. I've seen them 36 times right now. Really? Each one of those I have seen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a lot. But the thing is, each one of the concerts is a different concert experience. They, they switch up the set list. You know, the song is different. It's a little bit more lengthy, a little bit shorter. You know, they go harder, they go softer. Um, you know, some shows, they'll, they'll do like a five-song encore. And it's, it's basically about being there for the experience. You don't know what they're going to do, what they're going to play, but you know that you have an attachment to these four guys on stage who are doing something that no one else is doing with improvisational music. Um, the fact is that it's just four guys who can really make a whole lot of sound on, on one stage together, and it's it's really quite something, and they've been together since college. So anyone can respect that. Um, you don't have to be the biggest fan of the music, but luckily there are a whole lot of people who do get it and who do enjoy when we play the music and um, really seem to dig the vibe that we put with the barbecue. All right, so let me ask you this because like, from a very high level, I had heard of fish, and but I, I don't know if I just never knew anybody that was really into it. So who was your exposure in? Is it something you found on your own, or did like a older buddy or a, a friend of yours said, hey, I'm a fish fan, and, and invite you in? I actually had a few friends, uh, you know, back when I lived in Virginia, and then a few more here who were just fish fans. I never really gave it a chance. And once they did their reunion show in Hampton in March of 2009, after they broke up in 2004, that's when I started to give them a chance and realize that, you know, there's, there's really something to this. There has to be a reason for the following. There has to be a reason that people will travel anywhere to see this band. There has to be a reason why they sell out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row at New Year's in five <laughs> minutes. So I just kind of fell into it, and I, I went to a show, and just like that, I was, I was hooked. And I just I keep going, and I keep enjoying the experience, and... I, I just 
I love seeing what they do. And like I said, it's, it's all about how it makes you feel on the inside. And they've certainly made me feel a whole lot better when I haven't felt as good, you know? When you watch your posts on Instagram, I mean, typically you are jamming some kind of a fish. You got a hashtag fish or you're at fishing on Instagram. Do you think that played some kind of a role in helping you gain that following that you had? Like fellow fish people were like, hey, man, not only is this guy cooking awesome food, but we're dig- we dig the jams. We have a similar mindset. I, I want to say yes. I, I feel there had to be a correlation between the two because a lot of my favorite comments that I'll get is when guys will say, or anyone, guys or girls, they'll say, wow, that I was literally at that show, the song you're jamming, because I will – you know, it's a lot of the time I'll list, I'll list that it's by fish, and then I'll list the date of the show, yep. and then I'll list the city that it was in, or the venue, and then the song they were playing, and people will, will say, God, I was listening to that the other day, that was just, that was a really peak jam for those guys. It, it's funny how many people will actually get it when I play certain ones, they'll say, man, that's, that's some of the good fish right there, you know? Jack Arnold joining me here on the show at Jack Arnold on Instagram over sixty, almost sixty one thousand followers, maybe sixty one thousand at this point. But the last check, it was just shy. Uh, let's get into a touchy subject here, Jack. I know you're so anxious to talk about it, but if you are a follower uh, or if you follow Jack's uh, profile on Instagram, recently I call it Hackgate twenty nineteen, but somehow <laughs> or other. Your online profile for Instagram was hijacked, and it was kind of a tense. Was how long did it end up actually being taken away from you? This was. Uh, it started. I noticed it on February twenty second, um, and it lasted until the twenty seventh when I was able to get it back. Uh, basically, on the twenty second that morning, around nine fifteen, I got an email from Instagram saying, "Hey." Uh, do you confirm changing your email address to this? And it was clearly a spam email. And I, you know, I noticed it immediately. I was like, of course I didn't do this. So they have an option in the email saying to revert this change if you did not request this. Mm -hmm. So when I clicked that link, the link was broken, which instantly made me realize I might have a serious problem. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how someone was able to get in there, but, it was extremely scary. That's what they were doing. They got in my account and they basically kept it. So I had to start a new one. It was something that really, you know, it was heartbreaking to say the least. Um, you know, we, we put a whole lot of work into our Instagram to say the least, but you almost feel like your security has been violated, which it has been. And, you know, I, I just really can't say enough about activating your two factor authentication, you know, strengthening your password. I mean, I did not have my two-factor authentication on, and that was that was my fault. It is absolutely on now. My password is double the length and double the strength. So I I don't wish upon anybody to go through what I had to go through for five days. Um, it was it was really a really a challenging thing. But by the grace of God, we were able to get it back. I I really want to thank um, you know WCNC and uh, in particular Kendall Morris for calling me and saying that she was doing a story on, you know, hacking and social media. They had known me because I'd been on for a couple of cooking segments. Um, and she got the story out that night. And, you know, I actually videotaped it from my phone on NBC when it was on that, uh, that evening and put it on my Instagram story. And that was kind of what led to it. So I really want to thank them. And I, I, I can't thank the entire barbecue community enough for being there and, and writing all the comments and sending me all the messages. Cause it's, it's really like they were completely, they, they all felt the pain that I was going through. 
um, and they were really there for me when I need them. So I, I just want to tell the whole community I love them very much. You know, I think it's it's kind of weird to put ourselves in your shoes because unless you have you know that i mean certainly there's a number of instagram people that have you know way more i mean i think everybody has way more followers than me but uh there's other people that have way more followers than you you know millions hundreds of thousands all this stuff but if we're taking it as it is i mean this is a huge deal for you you spend a lot of time cultivating doing it authentically not taking you know, the crap or the bag ways out and uh, buying or doing the like, unlike BS kind of stuff. This is all grassroots organic growth that you were able to get to that, you know, 60, 61,000 type followers. And then to have somebody backdoor into your account and take it over. I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine what you were thinking, like right off the bat, like, oh my God, I've worked so hard to get this thing going to where, you know, if I wanted to, I could turn it into some type of a a lucrative side business or to help out, or I have these partnerships with all these brands and now somebody could totally ruin it. And then it's up to me to say, Hey, this isn't really me, but then it's my account posting potentially really weird shit and it's not me. So now I have to convince people it's, I mean, that could have went really bad really quickly. It really could have. I mean, the fact that Instagram didn't really give me the support or the assistance that I really needed because as soon as that, you know, the link was disabled, as I tried to revert it, I immediately emailed them and replied to that email saying I've been hacked in all capital letters and uh, basically pleaded my case. I had screenshots of, you know, everything that was proving it was myself and just couldn't get in. And I, to this day, I still haven't heard back from them. Um, I try to not be judgmental, but, you know, that that's something Instagram very much needs to fix because, um yeah, to, to be totally honest, it, it was hard to uh, hard to eat and hard to sleep. Uh, my, my wife was worried about me for a minute, but uh, again, but we were very very fortunate to get it back. One way or another, we did. Um, the community was a big reason. I had a lot of people, you know, trying to cheer me up when I was down, and you know, just um, we just hope that never has to happen to anybody because no one deserves that. And you know, it's just. Just one of those things, to say the least. Yeah, so uh, you're back at it. Uh, at Jack Arnold is his handle on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we're big proponents, and I did it as well. Uh, two-factor authentication, and then uh, go ahead and make sure that that password is absolutely secure, and it's not your name plus zero zero or password double seven or something stupid like that. Uh, really take the time and invest in a strong password. Do the two-factor authentication, and uh, appreciate you kind of sharing that story. I know it's not easy to talk about and something you probably want to move past as quickly as possible, but, you know, having that status, you know, people want to have that uh, story so they can make sure they're not putting themselves in the same situation. So I'm sure people are uh, uh, really appreciating the candor that you're sharing here this evening. But let's talk about something you're really good at, which is cooking, Jack. I mean, let's go. Let's get with it. So, my man, you... You are eating burgers 800 times a week, and they look better and better every time you do it. So at first I was like, he's showing the same burger thing over, but then I'm paying attention, and I realized, no, 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 he is really down with burgers. So we kind of touched on it from a high level last time you were on end of the year, but I wanted to recover here because your burgers are something of an extraordinary process, Uh, simple probably in, in technique and doing it, but in the end product looks absolutely amazing. So if you could just kind of bust us back through a start to finish on one of Jack's burgers. Well, first off, Greg, that was very kind of you. That's big. Thank you very much for saying that. It means a lot. I, uh, I basically don't have too tough of a process to it. I just really like using 
cast iron skillet over the grill so that it kind of does the crust on the outside to sear the juices in. So the process that I like to do is I'll sear them. I'll put them, you know, about 400 degrees on cast iron outside, uh, flip one flip only on each side, and then put it on indirect heat at about 350 degrees. Once you got the crust, therefore you're kind of smoking or baking the inside of the meat while you've got the outside crusted. So it's literally trapped everything on the inside. And the key is that you cannot probe it. You can't, mm. you know, take your meat thermometer and put that in your burger because you'll immediately see all the juice run out that you've worked so hard to save. So do you? So it's just uh, you know what kind of thickness you're dealing with. You know what temperatures you're running. So it's just a a process or a program that you're experienced running. So you know this long to get the crust in, and then this long to cook in order to finish. And it looks like you're kind of running that medium rare to, to medium rare plus type of finish on the internal. Correct. Yeah, I try to run to about medium uh, on the burgers usually when I can. But, uh, you know, steaks, you know, we, we touched base on that last time. You know, I absolutely still use my meat thermometer for steaks. But, yeah, you, you can't pierce the burgers by any meat or all your your juice will run out that you work for. And, you know, that's uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is just cutting open to a juicy burger and then ripping into it, as you're well aware of. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, so are you like let it rest guy with the burgers, too, or are you pretty quick to eat after you get them off? I let them rest for five minutes, you know, sometimes six or seven if I need to. But, uh, yeah, I always let it rest for five minutes before you cut into it. You don't want all the, you know, steam and everything to run out of it. But, yeah, give it a few minutes. I typically see you using the Snake River Farms ground beef. But if you don't have access or you're looking for something a little different, is it something that can be used with, like, an 80-20? Or or I guess what would be your best recommendation outside of the Snake River Farms? Absolutely. I use 80-20 all the time, actually. Um, it's, it's the best way to do it. It's got a perfect amount of fat. It's going to cook down really nicely. It's going to be really juicy. It's not going to dry out. So yeah, that's exactly what I like to use is 80-20. If I'm, if I'm not going to be using the American Wacky ground beef, which I'm very, very fortunate to be able to use a lot of the time, uh, 80-20 is just that's a wonderful blend. Jack Arnold joining me here on the show talking about some live fire cooking right now. Um, you had started... The first time, well, it was this past week, I think you said it was the first time out. Terrace Major, I've been hearing a little bit about it. There's this other cut, that sirloin cap that I've been seeing here over the last five or six months that everybody's on right now. But Terrace Major was a little bit new to me. So talk to me a little bit about this particular cut and then how you attacked it first time out. Well, this is the first time that I had ever used it. And, um, you know, quite frankly, I was amazed at the marbling. I mean, these these things look like, highly marbled baby filet mignon tenderloins. I, I mean, just the sight of them was absolutely amazing. So I didn't really know exactly what to do the first time. I asked Josh Tehan, you know, some good advice on it. And they uh, they turned out, I think the internal temperature when I pulled it off was about 127, if I'm not mistaken. So I literally just went direct 400 degrees. And I think overall it went for about 14, maybe 15 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. About 14 minutes, yeah. And it turned out great. So you just went direct. You didn't have to... Um, you didn't have to reverse sear it or anything, so I'll I'll absolutely be looking for more of those. I mean, that that just had a great great flavor to it. Let's talk a little bit about reverse sear. Uh, also, I don't know if that dovetails or it's a uh, uh, a blasphemous statement, uh, sous vide. But uh, let's take reverse sear first. Where do you stand on the process, and is that something that you would typically do, and you just didn't do it this time, or is there a specific cut or thickness? that you think works best with reverse sear? I, I try to reverse sear as many times as I possibly can. I mean, if it's a three-finger thick filet, I absolutely will. 
I would say if it's a uh, New York strip or a ribeye, you know, about an inch and a half thick, I'm absolutely going to reverse sear those all the time. And what's your process? Do you like take it up to a, a 125, 128 type deal? Are you a little lower than that? Usually about 120 to 125, I would say. I, when I reverse sear it, I go to about 250 degrees, and then I just bring it over to direct fire. So, yeah, when it's about uh, 120 to 125, you know, it's always going to heat up a few more degrees. So, after that, I think you just want to pull it and rest. And, you know, if, if you use really, really high-quality meat, the last thing you want to do is overcook it. So, even go a degree or two earlier if you need to. Are you minute, minute and a half on super high heat? I would imagine you're getting one of those big green eggs fired up with some kind of a lump charcoal situation and then just going for afterburner effect? You're exactly right. 90 seconds, exactly. Each side, just get that torch going, get that crust, that fire flavor. And, once again, you've sealed everything in, and it's just... The really the, the best way to do steaks. Uh, Jack Arnold talking to me about steaks right now. Uh, you had mentioned that you don't probe burgers, but you're probing steaks to uh, kind of nail right. that doneness. Are you uh, looking for a finish of like into the 130s? You know, I, I am okay with 130. Um, I always try to keep it around, you know, 127, 128 Ooh. if I can. But, you know, you're talking a few degrees. I mean, it doesn't doesn't bother me too much. But, yeah, I always try to actually keep it just a little bit under 130 personally. When are we going to see Jack Arnold at a SCA event taking on some of these other state cooks? Is that something that interests you? Uh, whenever I'm invited, whenever anyone wants to do that, I, I'm always down. I'm, I'm loving doing what we are now. We've uh, been doing a lot of classes. We're doing a lot of private dinners up here. And, I'm I'm just enjoying getting the time with everybody that I am. So anytime anyone wants me to do something, I'll always do it if I have the time. My man, I don't know if you're down or not, but June 15th, Hartville, Ohio, stay cook-off, first ever in Ohio. <laughs> I mean, I'll send the private jet down for you, uh, maybe hook up at Concord, <laughs> fly you back out here, and then you know we're all good to go. What do you say? June 15th, I'll write that down. That's six days before the Fish Charlotte concert. So, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jack Arnold joining me here on the show. Now, uh, the other thing that I notice is uh, we're following on Instagram, certainly the meats there, the burgers there, got the cookers. As I just mentioned, you uh, just recently re-signed with uh, Team Big Green Egg for another two years, so congratulations on that. But you're also a beer guy to a certain degree. So talk to me a little bit about beer pairings, I guess, with steak, and then if you start to get into maybe poultry or fish or something like that, how do you see the whole craft beer situation as it uh, plays well with your meats and proteins? Well, I'm actually pretty simple when it comes to that. I mean, I I usually go with IPAs when I go with my steaks and burgers. Uh, I just think they got great flavor, great body to them more than anything. Uh, If I'm going to do a fish or, I mean, I've been eating less and less chicken. I don't know if you've noticed that on Instagram or not, but if if I'm doing, you know, fish or shrimp or scallops or something like that, I tend to go a little bit lighter with a nice pale ale, Uh, still the good body, a lot of zest and aroma to it. Um, If I do a stout, like a bourbon barrel aged stout, that's usually going to be an end of the night beer, like a dessert beer to say the least, or a sour or something like that. But with the dinners, I usually stick with, you know, a solid hazy IPA more than anything. I just think it's a great flavor and um, you know, great mouthfeel to go with the uh, with the food pairing. You know, typically an IPA, uh, at least from my experience, will have some of that grapefruity or, or fruity flavors on the palate. Do you think that works well in a contrast to some of the steaks, or do you think it would work a little bit better with something uh, a little lighter as well? If if you mean like grapefruit, as in like kind of a bitter kind of zest to it, then um, I'm I just try to steer away from those altogether. Uh, if it has a little bit of earthiness to it and, you know, 
a little bit more of a how do I say more more of a fruity flavor as opposed to grapefruit, more of like an orangey kind of flavor. That's what I try to steer to more than mm-hmm. anything. Jack Arnold joining me here on the show. Jack, can I uh, hold you over for uh, one more segment? We can talk about the classes that are coming up this weekend. Absolutely. That sounds good. We're uh, rocking and rolling. All right. Stand by. We're talking with Jack Arnold. Talk about some uh, classes that he has coming up. Maybe clean juice. See that on Instagram, too. we got to talk about clean juice. Might be some NASCAR hanging out in the back, too. Hey, Meathead talked about it in the first hour, or at least made a reference to it, Southside Market and Barbecue. Established in 1882, Southside Market, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Famous for the original beef sausage, or, as they like to call them down there, hot guts. Uh Coarse ground and a pork casing. They also have the authentic Central Texas barbecue as well. The ribs, the briskets, all ships to you. Meats, including the prime brisket, slow smoked over many hours on that Texas post oak wood. They ship nationwide via the online store, southsidemarket.com. And they ship fresh and smoked sausages nationwide. Shipping customers can choose to order now and ship later, include a custom gift note, and mail to multiple addresses without additional charges. All shipped items are vacuum sealed to ensure freshness and ease of preparation for the customer, plus packed and dry ice to ensure complete freshness upon arrival. All meats processed in that on-site USDA-inspected facility. On-site meat markets for fresh and smoked products. Custom orders are welcome. Two restaurants to eat at, Elgin since 1882 and Bastrop since 2014, both in Texas. Grocery distribution through Texas and many surrounding states. But here's the best part. If you're not in Texas or many surrounding states, go to southsidemarket.com, make all of your online purchases, and as you check out, 10% off your entire online order if you use code BBQCENTRAL. Lowercase, all one word, BBQ Central. 10% off SouthsideMarket.com orders just for you live listeners and podcasters. Thanks to the folks over at Southside Market. We're back with more Jack Arnold right after this. Stick around, be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard. I used mine this past weekend. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck. It's fully integrated with both. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Jack, thanks for hanging with me through the break here. Absolutely, bud. So we got NASCAR happening too, or what? Uh, I I might be sitting with uh, Austin Dillon and Paul Swan sitting right next to me right now. Paul, what's up, bro? How we doing? Paul, (laughs) man, appreciate you kind of hanging out here through the Barbecue Central. I'm sure you're like the biggest fans ever because it's live fire, North Carolina, obviously a barbecue mecca, whole hog mostly. What's your favorite whole hog down there, bro? Man, whatever Jack's cooking is my favorite. Honestly, this this guy, (laughs) you, you cannot go wrong with Jack Arnold's cooking. Everybody... And my friend group and everyone around this area knows Jack Arnold as the best chef, mm. best cook, best barbecue or anything. I mean, the guy whips up the most magical food ever. 
Phil, let me ask you a question here. Um, you're obviously the front tire carrier for the number three car, Richard Childress Racing. Uh, what yeah. what details are you responsible for the folks that aren't NASCAR down? I mean, I'm totally NASCAR down, but for the folks that aren't, yeah. Oh, yeah. what are you responsible for during the race when you're going over that wall? Yeah, so so I'm technically the, just the tire carrier now. With with uh, we switched from six man pit crews to five man pit crews last season, so I carry out the rear tire and the front tire, and mm-hmm. I set the front tire off the jack man to hang and then i go back to the rear and hang that tire run around take both tires that came off the car bring them around to the other side grab another tire and hang it on the left front and then uh we got to do that all in about 12 to 13 seconds like how often are you practicing that during the week we practice three days a week we work out we watch film we do everything just like any other athlete would and there's a there's a lot of time that goes into our stuff during the week Phil, I mean, I've seen you on Instagram. I would imagine if the jack fails, you just reach that left hand underneath it, and you can just hike that car right up. I mean, you are huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, all the weights <laughs> we're lifting during the week, we better be able to lift these cars up one-handed. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, this week, you guys are headed out to Fontana, California, doing that two-mile super speedway thing. Uh, I don't know if yep. Austin is there or not, but uh, Austin, if you are uh, listening and can answer, are you a... Uh, more of a fan of driving the super speedways or are you more of a short track like uh, 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 Bristol or Richmond kind of guy? Actually, Greg Austin just now stepped out the back door for two seconds. No, of course. Phil, answer that for (laughs) me. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'll I'll try to answer the best I can. Uh, I mean, I'm not really sure what Austin likes the most or what, you know, what track he feels most comfortable on that that's a that's a good question for him uh what do you like working pretty, what's that what do you like working a short track or a super speedway uh, i mean super speedways are normally not fun races for the pit crew to pit because the car at least kind of like your typical daytona or talladega super speedway the car is uh set up so that it makes it pretty hard to pit the car because of all the different aero and the speed that helps with having the car slammed down and the different springs and shocks in the car. So super speedways mostly aren't our favorite, but this California is a little different with how, uh, how the car set up. It's not like Talladega and Daytona. So California has always been a fun track for us to pit at. Uh, Phil Swan joining me here on the show, talking a little NASCAR. Uh, let's transition out of the race here just for a second. Uh, what are your live fire skills like Phil? Uh, they are uh, they they are kind of non-existent before oh. I met Jack. He uh, he showed me a lot. He's helped me out with my green egg. I got a green egg after I met him, and uh, you know he's definitely definitely showed me the ropes. And uh, I feel like I got a pretty good good knowledge of it now, and I make some pretty good stuff. But man, nothing compares to what he does and what he can cook. But uh, maybe maybe one day I'll be there. Yeah, like, no, Greg, I'm telling you, Paul, Paul's being humble right now. He can actually make a pretty damn mean steak. I've had. <laughs> yeah, man, once that fire bug bites you, it's uh, it's hard not to just want to keep getting oh, it, better and better, no? It's, it's addicting. It definitely is. It's it's more than a hobby, I feel like. It is, it's, it's a way of life, especially for Jack. Phil, let me ask you one more question. Uh, I saw on Instagram that you guys are getting ready for season two of Barn Life. What is Barn yep, Life? That's right. 
Man, it's a uh, it's a little deal. Me and Austin started last year, and our other our other buddy Voss. We uh, we just started small up in up in our little studio in Austin's barn, and uh, had one camera and one little microphone, and we just we just wanted a cool show for us to express ourselves and talk about our lives, and you know, just all the stuff we enjoy doing. Get some of our buddies on as guests, and you know, it's kind of started growing from there, and we we had it pretty big last season up up at the barn and then uh we kind of cut it off for a little while we both got pretty busy with stuff me getting married and yeah. you know him just being busy in the off season and uh now we uh we're gonna get it going again and they have this new studio up at his uh business his uh team dylan management it's like his uh managing place and um so we got a we got a pretty pretty badass studio up there that we're gonna get firing up and uh get it going again and nascar is gonna kind of jump in and have some fun with us with it too. So we're it's going to be a big season two for us with barn life. Well, uh, my man, if for some reason Jack is not available to come on and give you straight talk about live fire, I mean, I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, we will definitely keep that in mind. I don't, I don't want to hurt Jack's <laughs> feelings, but uh, sounds like you, you know your way around a microphone, so we might have to get you on there. Right on, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Uh, Phil Swan, appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Thanks, man. You got it. Uh, So that was Phil Swan uh, transitioning back to Jack Arnold here as we close it out. Jack, let's quickly cover this coming weekend, which I have to imagine is one of your favorite things to do, not only cooking, but kind of like you're doing with Phil Spreading the good word of live fire cooking, helping people become better cooks, uh, not only in their backyard, uh, but potentially taking it somewhere that might be a little bit more competitive too. Yes, sir. I um, I got to say that I'm really, really looking forward to uh, going down to Texas this weekend to do another class of my favorite guys in the world down at Premier Grilling down at Frisco, um, best backyard retailing store in the country. You know, H. Um, HPV is going down in Dallas this weekend, so it's absolutely a huge weekend down there. I'm surprised you're not there, my friend. Me? Yeah. <laughs> oh nah, man. Come on, man. You know, you know me. I go nowhere. <laughs> I'm anchored down. <laughs> I, I go college visits over the weekend, trying to get people committed for volleyball scholarships. That's my job. <laughs> I, I I totally understand. Uh, I'll, I'll hopefully know about. The, well, I will know about that soon. Um, I don't mind making the announcement right now that I, I found out I'm actually going to be. Um, a father on August 24th. We're expecting our first child. Oh, so my man. My Congratulations. That, so. Look at that. Budding uh, Pitmaster. Thank, so, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. It means the world more than anything. We're, we're very, very excited about that. So we'll have a new griller in the family with us. <laughs> no doubt. So uh, this coming weekend, if I'm not mistaken, it's 45-day dry-aged Wagyu's. You got some uh, caribou-to-pork stuff going on, uh, the porterhouse versions, also lobster mac and cheese. Let's start there. I think... One of my favorite things ever is lobster. So mac and cheese for sure, but then throw on lobster on top of that, and all of a sudden I'm in love like I can't stand it. I I, I was told last time at our last class premiere grilling that we had to do that again, so we're absolutely <laughs> doing that again. Uh, our guy Joe up at LobsterAnywhere.com makes, uh, I mean, he just has unbelievable fresh lobster. We order uh, about four pounds of lobster. It's already declawed and de-shelled. I'm just put in bags just add the meat to it and it's, nice. it's absolutely amazing so we uh we like the big chunks of lobster in with our mac and cheese i'll probably go with a uh probably a rotini pasta this time to make it so it's you know good good bites and um i think the class is going to be 
I hope they're very happy with it. I'm going to try very hard for it. Were you doing a different noodle the last time? Were you like a penne or uh, elbow? I actually have done elbow. Uh, I've done rigatoni, but I think I just like rotini better. I think uh, the cheese traps in the spirals really yeah. well, making for a better bite. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Carabuda pork porterhouses. So it's got that steak yes, identification to it in the porterhouse. So obviously you have a loin and you have a strip on the side, but have you used these before? I have not yet uh, used the Snake River ones before. I've done a pork porterhouse before. I'll probably go to a 140 internal temperature. You know, we'll, we'll hit it with the one and only meat church honey hog and we'll grill it on and probably make like an apple slaw or something to pair with it. I haven't really decided yet, but it's, it's going to be some amazing pork. I, I think the class is going to be very happy. And then, of course, uh, Coup de Gras, 45-day dry-aged Wagyu Snake River Farm. So uh, as it relates just to the dry-age movement, we've talked about it for the better part of a year on this show, seeing it the rise not only in the restaurant scene, but more and more people wanting to take it into their home and dry-age themselves through different variations, whether it be a bag, whether it be through some separate contraption to control humidity and wind movement and all that stuff. Where do you fall out on this whole dry-aged thing right now? Well, I've never dry-aged myself, but I can tell you it certainly has a much richer flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, These 45-day dry-aged Wagyu tomahawks from Snake River Farms are about the most beautiful steaks I've ever seen in my life. I mean, we're we're so lucky that we get to cook with such a product. Uh, I, I will be very very careful while I'm cooking these steaks, to say the least. But um, yeah, I just I just don't think you can beat the flavor of you know when you combine dry age with wagyu, um, and especially with such care as they're taking the Snake River Farms. Um, this this is going to be a whole lot of fun. When you look at where dry aging is across the country, if you look in Los Angeles. You have Barbecue Hall of Famer Adam Perry Lang doing some crazy things over at APL. Obviously, on the East Coast, there's a lot of crazy things going on with dry aging. For instance, APL just is always showing 385-day dry-aged steak. And I'm trying to think, you know, when you get out to 60 and 70 days, and I'm as big of a funk master flex guy when it comes to steak as anybody, but I'm just wondering where your funk stop is when it comes to dry age. Uh, I've never really thought about that to be completely honest. Uh, the 300 plus days, that's, I bet that's a very interesting texture of yeah. that steak after that much time to say the least. But, uh, I, I commend them for being able to be that patient with it. I, I highly doubt that I would be able to personally. Have you had anything past the 45 day on, on like these Wagyu, uh, or on these snake river farms or have you gotten out to 60 or, or so days? No, I, I think, um, uh, I think 45 is definitely the longest that I've had by any means on these. Um, you know, I'd had 30, 30 day, plenty of time, 28 day, plenty of times, but, uh, yeah, 45 is about the max I've got. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it's just going to be an amazingly different flavor or whatnot. If I did an extra 15 days, took 60, but, uh, the, the 45 is already so mind blowing for me. I'm just, I'm grateful to even have the opportunity to try that, to be honest. All right, so we got the cooking class coming up this weekend. You had mentioned that it was sold out, so hopefully you have your tickets and you're going to be hanging out there. Did you did you say that you were going to be kind of scampering around HPBA as well? I'm going to get to, to Texas on Friday morning. I'll probably get to, I think I'll be getting there around 1230, if I'm not mistaken. So if I can get over to HPBA and see everybody, I would absolutely love to. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll certainly be seeing the, the folks uh, Saturday morning at Premier Grilling, and I'm very grateful for everybody being willing to spend their Saturday morning with me. Uh, hope I can put on a good show for you. When's the next fish concert? 
<laughs> the next fish concert is June 21st here in Charlotte. And then after that, we are doing uh, Saturday night, July 6th, 4th of July weekend at uh, Fenway Park in Boston. Wow, so that's 37 and 38. Uh, it's not a contest yes, here, but my guy Hootie Barbecue in Pittsburgh has been to 71 fish concerts. My man. Ah, seven wow. one. Yeah, I got a lot to shoot for right there. <laughs> <laughs> there are some uh, some legends out there who've gotten to see a lot of shows, and boy, their family, I tell you, I love them. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, you can follow Jack on Instagram at Jack Arnold. Almost 61,000 of you do. Jack, really appreciate the time this evening. Please pass my thanks over to Phil, and I apologize that Austin had to run out uh, just as I was asking him the most popular question I've ever asked anybody on the face of the earth. But maybe <laughs> next time we can possibly get him on here. So, again, always appreciate the time. Absolutely, great. It's always an honor to be on your show. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you all so much. You got it. There he is, Jack Arnold. On the Instagram, at Jack Arnold. There you go. So, if you want to jump in... I got uh, five, six minutes to go here. 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. And we can chop it up here before we go. I think I got some books to give away too. So uh, if you want a book... Give me a shout. I'll ask you a trivia question of the evening, and we'll give away some books. I will happily autograph somebody else's book as well, 216-220-0966, if you want to jump in. That's 216-220-0966. We got a, a hardcore carnivore book. We got the secret charcoal. Uh, the secrets are great. Charcoal and Grilling from uh, Bill Gillespie. Man-Made Meals from Stephen Reichland. Pitmaster by Chris Hart and Andy Husbands, just to name a few. So come on. 216-220-0966 or email me greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let's wrap it up. Stick around. Be right back. Packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back, and thanks again to Austin Dillon. <laughs> Got him on the brain now. Thanks again to Jack Arnold and Phil Swan for uh, joining me. Jack, most of the segment. Phil, coming in for a decent part of the second portion of that. Talking about what a tire carrier uh, carrier does for the number three NASCAR team of Austin Dillon and Richard Childress Racing. But I had some very unique questions just in case Austin was in. I wasn't going to go for the standard how fast have you ever driven What's it like to drive in a NASCAR bag questions? No, no. Wasn't going to go bag. I was going to go deep knowledge. Like, for instance, did you know that aside from Richard Childress, 
being a prolific NASCAR car owner and team. My man makes some incredible wine in Essex, North Carolina. I have been to the Richard Childress vineyards. I have dined lunch with Tori Goleida, VP of operations, like second in command. Also, not to go double bag, but I've actually had the same lunch with Austin Dillon's dad, Mike. By the way, one of the most tremendous human beings ever on the face of the earth. That was a different lifetime ago. But I have had business dealings with Austin's dad. They didn't end up being as fruitful as we had hoped for the company that I was working with. But sitting at that restaurant and having dinner with top men in RCR, I actually got to meet Richard Childress for about six seconds. Maybe it was four seconds, but it was pretty quick. He was very into the vines at the time when we were there, which I totally get, having been a very big wino myself. His wines are top-notch. Bunch of different varietals. Not the crap wine like we make here in Ohio, especially out east, like in Geneva and Ashtabula, where our real only claim to fame is going to be some type of a blush, which is not wine, by the way. And I'm going to snob out. Or if it gets really cold, and it typically does, there is that weird time where you can make ice wine. The grapes have to be harvested at a certain temperature. And then ice wine is made. My wife is a huge ice wine fan. So if you're into that, I mean, when I was drinking, it was way too sweet for me. I'm way more structure, tent, tannic wine guy, like good Italian, Cabernet, some Merlot, definite Australian Shiraz, big, high alcohol. Not so much fruit forward for me, but whatever. I got some high dollar bottles in my cave you know, waiting for 21-year-olds to emerge in the house. So we'll see how that goes. But thanks again to Jack and Phil for hanging out for the last two segments. Kettle Cookers on the instant chat in YouTube. Why don't restaurants serve lobster with cheese sauce instead of butter for dipping? Kettle Cooker, great question. And because I love to live in hypocrisy, I have to say, that does not sound good. Get that big stuff out of here. Now you're saying, Rempy, what are you talking about? You just said lobster mac and cheese is one of the best things ever on the face of the earth. I did say that. Andrew, you are not the <laughs> I did say that. I did say that. However, if it's just lobster and not the mac, if it's just lobster by itself, I don't think there is anything better on the face of the earth than lobster meat or crab meat by itself singularly with fresh drawn butter. I want it all day long. Keep the butter coming. I hope it's on tap. I want it cycling through so it's always warm, but I also want to salt the butter perhaps within this cyclical stream of butterness. There's a little salt thing that's happening at the same time. I don't know. Like I'm I'm all crazy about lobster and fresh drawn butter or crab meat like uh Alaskan crab, snow crab. I'm telling you, 
back in the day, we went to Pickle Bills, which is just over here, a couple towns to the east of me on the Grand River, and I put down one six sixteen pounds <laughs> of crab, all you can eat. The lady came back and said, sir, I just want you to know, this is a very rare circumstance for us, but we are technically losing money on you tonight. Damn straight. I can house me some Alaskan snow crab. And lobster by itself, fresh drawn butter all day long. All day long. So why don't they serve with a cheese sauce? Because it's not as good as fresh drawn butter. However, if you're going to make a great mac and cheese and you want to drop a heavy hand of lobster in that, I want that too. That's the best thing ever. Living in hypocrisy. That's what I do the best. All right, quick out. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Meathead, pastrami, corned beef, lamb, all that. Second hour, we talked with Jack Arnold, mostly at Jack Arnold on Instagram. 61,000 of you follow him. Glad to see that he emerged out of Hatgate 2019 relatively unscathed. Things are back to normal. Tag the two-way authentication and strengthen the password. It could happen to you if you're weak. Toughen up on the passwords. Toughen up on the two-factor authentication. He said it. Happened to him. It could happen to you. We don't want to see that happen to anybody. Whether you got 100 followers or 61 or 61 million or 61,000 or whatever. Also, if you're lucky enough to have him doing your class at Premier Grilling this weekend, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Wish I was there. Maybe next year, HPB. We'll see. I can travel. Next year might be a little easier for me. And uh, thanks to Phil Swan for jumping in there for a handful of minutes talking about NASCAR and all the good stuff. They are at Fontana, California for the, I think it's the Auto Parts 400. Let me check that. Auto Club 400. That's right. So if you're into NASCAR, check it out. Big show planned for you next week. Third Tuesday, Stephen Reichlin is in. Grill Girl is in, amongst others. September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Good night now.